What does it mean to have a balanced life toward God? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out here on New Hope Radio. Matter of fact, I think we got it figured out. You know why? Because the scriptures tell us how to do it. That's pretty simple. The Bible tells us how to do it. We can do it. And you can do it. I'm glad you came along today. We're digging into Mark chapter 12 today, a couple of verses, beginning in verse 30. And, um, hey, isn't this true? Anything we do, if we have balance in it, we're going to do well at it, right? When something is balanced, it does better, especially when it comes to walking, right? You want to have balance when you walk, balance in your checkbook, your finances, right? You don't want more going out than comes in. That's no good. So there's balance in our diet, right? There's balance in so many aspects of life, and especially in our relationship with God. I want to show you two things today about balance. Number one, it makes difficult work easier. And number two, it makes things more enjoyable. Okay? So, let's talk about this and let's see where we're going because we're talking about it spiritually. We need spiritual balance in our life. Balance that will make our Christian walk more enjoyable, make our Christian walk easier, okay? Because it can be difficult. You know that. If you've been saved for a while... You know, it's not the easiest thing to do, especially if you do it right. What did Jesus say? Pick up your cross, deny yourself. Paul said, crucify the flesh. I mean, these are not things that we do easily. Paul said, discipline yourself, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I mean, come on. It's not an easy thing to do. But when we have balance, it does become easier and it does become more enjoyable. That's why we're talking about having a balanced love toward God. Last time we spoke about having a balanced love toward God with all of our heart. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, what did Jesus say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Loving God with all of our heart includes loving the people that God loves. And who are the people that God loves? All the people. (laughs) All of them. God loves people that you don't like. God loves people that I don't like, but he loves them all. And therefore, if we're going to have a balanced love toward God, we have to have love toward people as well. How about that? That'll really put some pepper in your Christian life, won't it? It certainly will. Today, we'll talk about loving God with all of our soul. In verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So now, what is the soul? And what is it used for? The soul is the source of the inner life. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. And by the way, the word dust, it doesn't really mean dust. You know, like when you get the, the the cloth and the pledge and you wipe the furniture, it means clay. 
that Adam was actually fashioned from the clay of the ground, okay? Because he can't mold dust, but you can mold clay. And maybe he was made out of silly putty. That's our problem today. Anyway, he was made from the dust of the ground, and then the Lord breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Think about it. Some translations say a soul. Where soul is the word nefesh. And so when he became, when the Lord breathed into him, he nefeshed, he breathed into him, he became a soul. He breathed the life of God into Adam. Adam became a breathing creature, alive. Now because of Adam, we are all born with a soul, an inner life. We all have an inner life. We have an outer life, that which people see. And then we have an inner life, that which people do not see. God sees it. You know why? Because the Bible says God looks upon the heart. So he can see inside of us. In Second Corinthians 15, the people entered into the covenant to seek the Lord of their fathers with their heart and soul. So even back in the Old Testament, people knew that a relationship with God was not based on externals. It had to come from the innermost being of the individual. Because that's the real you. The real you and the real me are on the inside. Okay? Anybody can, you know, decorate the outside and put on a false front, but it's on the inside where the reality of who we are dwells. Now, what's the purpose of the soul? Well, Psalm 6 is a prayer for mercy and time of trouble. So let's take a look. And by the way, I believe the soul, very simply put, connects us with our environment. Okay? It's through the soul that we relate to the world around us. That's why I believe animals have a soul. They don't have a spirit, but they have the ability to relate to the world around them, of course. But anyway, okay, so the soul, because it's the innermost being, it's the place that we get agitated. We're going to be in Psalm 6. And in verse 3, David said, his soul was greatly dismayed. He said in verse 4, return, O Lord, rescue my soul. You know, when your soul is dismayed, it's like you want God to come and get it back rescue it. God, deliver me from these trials, these tribulations. I'm hurting on the inside. That's the soul ache when you hurt on the inside. It's also a place of life. Think about it. Proverbs 3.22, the wisdom of God's word is life to your soul. You know, you want your soul to be alive, right? How do you make your soul alive? Through the scriptures. God's word. Remember the remember the two um, disciples walking down the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion of Jesus, and they were discouraged and dismayed and downhearted. And then who shows up and starts walking with them? Jesus. And they didn't recognize it was him, but he reasoned with them and he brought them through the scriptures. And you know what they said later when Jesus left? They said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened up the scriptures to us? There's something about the Word of God that just kind of makes us alive, right? I know the first time I ever heard a message in a Christian church, 
something alive happened inside of me. Something came alive. Like I never heard anything like that before. And it probably happened to you as well. First time you heard a message from the word of God, something rose up inside of you. Something was dead and you never knew it, but it came alive. That's what God's word does. It gives life to the soul. So if you feel sometimes like you're dying on the inside, you need the word of God. That's all. Pick up God's word. Get it into your soul. Thirdly, the soul is a source of our motivation. In Proverbs 13, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Now, the word fat means prosperous. Okay? So the lazy guy has a soul. And because he's lazy, he wants, 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 but he doesn't get anything. The diligent guy, he has a soul. And because he's diligent and he's effective, he prospers. Okay? So the problem with many people today is motivation. They don't need drugs. They don't need counseling. They don't need therapy. They don't need a placebo, which is a harmless unmedicated preparation given as a medication to a person to humor them, so to speak. No, you know what people need today? Motivation. Motivation comes from having a sense of purpose. Everybody needs to ask himself, what is my purpose and am I living in it? Because that's where the fullness of life comes from. You want to come alive? Discover your purpose and live in it. And that's where you get motivation. A soul that lacks motivation has become toxic. A toxic soul has no motivation in life. That's why here at New Hope, we have a yearly program. We call it, originally it was the Daniel Fast. And now we do the Daniel Plan, which is a... um Three week, we, we begin on East, on Lent Ash Wednesday, and we go all the way up to Easter Sunday. And it's a, it's not really a fast, but it's like a vegetarian diet, getting rid of all kinds of toxic foods to cleanse our system. So on the inside and the outside, we can become refreshed and renewed and even more spiritually sensitive. And it's a good time, and a lot of people have found very many health benefits during that time. So when the time comes around, hey, we'll be talking about it here, and maybe you want to get on board with us as well. So this year, we're going to start, like I said, it'll be on Ash Wednesday, and we go all the way up until the day before Easter, okay? All right, back to motivation. Motivation comes from having a sense of purpose. When I have a sense of purpose, my soul is healthy and my worship toward God is becoming balanced. Why? Because I'm loving God with all my heart and with all my soul. See, I wonder how many Christians know that God wants all of them. He doesn't just want our behaviors or our works, you know, A Christian that puts himself on a legalistic trip, it means that they're serving God on the outside, but their heart is far from him. Or their heart 
doesn't know him. That their Christian walk has become one of works or ritual. But what's missing is that intimate personal relationship from the heart. You know, heart to heart. What God is looking for is the heart. You know, fourthly, the words we speak, you know, they affect the soul. You know that? In Proverbs 16.24, it says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Now think about that. You know, there are some people, they are just miserable. You're not like that, are you? And you know what makes them miserable? The words they speak. They condition themselves. If they're always negative, always critical, never happy, never complimentary, never edifying, then it actually transforms their personality into something that, I don't know, they're not fun to be around. But pleasant words, they're sweet, like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. So speaking and hearing are very important. We need to speak pleasant words because we hear them. And we also need to hear pleasant words. That's why, you know, verbal abuse in a relationship is terrible. It really is bad. Sometimes people overestimate or they overvalue physical abuse, which is bad. But verbal abuse attacks the soul. And the soul is the inner person. And we have to be on our guard so often that the words that we speak, they're more edifying than they are degrading. Don't we want to add sweetness to the lives of people? You know, life can be bitter enough without adding more to it. So look at all the things that affect the soul. The words we hear, the words we speak, motivation, that affects the soul. God's word in the soul affects the soul, or the lack of God's word in the soul will affect the soul. Okay, that's no good. You don't want a hungry, malnourished soul. You want a soul that's healthy, fulfilled, a soul that is content, right? And all of these come from a relationship with God. How real is my relationship with God? Fifthly, like I said about pleasant words, A fool's mouth can ruin the soul. Words can help, words can hurt. You know that? In Proverbs 18, verse 7, it talks about a fool's mouth. It's his own ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. So there you have it. That the the fool, and what is a fool? Someone who doesn't think before they speak. I've been there quite a few times, I must admit. Oh, yeah. I played the fool. I've said things before I thought. And then after I thought, I said, oh, why did I say that? Boom. You are a fool. And it happens. You ever notice sometimes words just come out? They just come out. You're not even, it's like, how did that happen? They just do. I don't know. They escape somehow. And we that's why we have to be on our God. Hey, you know what? If we God our heart, then we can God our lips. Huh. A guarded heart makes for 
guarded lips. Because everything begins in the heart. It starts on the inside, and it works its way outwardly. So, healthy heart, healthy soul, healthy words, healthy life. That's what we have to remember. And you know what else about the soul? And maybe this is the best of all. The soul is eternal. Did you know that? It's going to live forever. James said it in James chapter 5, verse 20. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. A saved soul. Isn't that what salvation's about? Jesus didn't die for your body. He died for your soul. That's why the body gets sick. That's why the body gets hurt. That's why the body dies. But the soul lives forever. And then he'll resurrect that body later, don't you worry. And he'll reunite it with your soul. Okay? But the soul is eternal. That means that every person does have eternal life. It's a matter of where will they spend that life in eternity? Will they spend it with God? Or will they spend it alienated from God in the lake of fire? That's the only two places. There's no other, there's no third place. There's no other place to go. It's either with God or banished from God. With God is to be in his presence in heaven. Banished from God is to be with the devil and his angels. And the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And that's the sad commentary for those that reject Christ and they just say no. They just say no. But you can save a soul from death when you have the wisdom of God. Number seven, God desires the body and the soul to prosper together. Hmm. You know, John said, the Apostle John in 3 John 1, verse 2, he said, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Think about that. So all these faith healers, right? They, You know, they never talk about the soul. They run around trying to heal people's body, but what, wait a minute. What about the soul? The soul is that which lives forever. The soul is that where God said through John, listen, let the soul prosper and the body will prosper with it. So as you can see, the soul is very, it's a very important aspect of your life. The soul is actually who you are. It's who you are. Your soul. What's in the soul? What kind of soul do we have? What's going on there? It's our innermost being. And we know. You know your soul is your innermost being because that's the place that you feel pain. You have felt physical pain, and you have felt pain in your soul. And you'd probably say, pain in the soul, it's different, but it's painful. Because you ache on the inside. And sometimes it seems like there's nothing that can take it away. Nothing. Pain on the outside. I can take some Tylenol. I can bandage it. 
I can do something, but pain on the inside, there's not much you can do. All we can do is try to prosper our soul before the pain comes. And then when the pain comes, perhaps we'll have some insulation against that pain. So the soul is a place that we, yes, feel some of our deepest pains, but it does come alive through the Word of God. It does. It comes alive. And you can perk yourself up with the Scriptures. And you can do it through reading the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, even singing God's songs. Beautiful worship songs. I like worship songs. Songs that are about God, to God, for God. Those are the ones that set me free. Those are the ones that bring me, they elevate me to a higher level. And a lot of Christian songs today that are played in churches, I don't know, maybe some of them shouldn't be played in churches. Unless they lift you to a higher level and worship to God. Not something that pampers the flesh, but something that lifts the spirit. As I said, the source of motivation is in the soul. That's why you want a healthy soul. If your soul is not healthy, it'll be toxic. And what comes out of that? Nothing good. Nothing at all. So we want a healthy soul. Okay? Remember that. The words that we speak and the words that we hear affect the soul. Okay? I believe that if we speak sweet words to people, it'll help them, and it'll help us as well. But if we speak mean things, it'll hurt them, and it'll hurt us. Those are the words of a fool. Foolish people speak meanly. Foolish people use verbal abuse. They degrade. That's foolish people. They don't think. But people that speak sweetly and edifyingly and encouragingly, not only are they helping a soul to be fulfilled and healed, but they're programming their own soul as well. Okay? And let's remember this. The soul will live forever. That's why you want to cater to your soul. It's going to live forever. People find themselves catering to the body more than their soul. They cater to their car more than their soul. And those things will not live forever. But the soul will. When you invest in your soul, you're making the best investment. Because it's going to go on forever. Any other investment pales compared to investing in your soul. So you say, oh, how do I invest in my soul? You get God's word in it. You go to church. You be faithful to church. You join a church. Church hopping. You know what? All you church hoppers out there. I don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. You're, you're really just being selfish and not giving of yourself. You're just pollinating all the churches like a little honeybee and uh, seeing what you can get. But when you join a church, you're saying, I'm committed to this local body and I will do my part in helping this body to grow and to prosper and to be effective for the kingdom of God. And that's what builds character in a person. 
Because you, when you make a commitment, what you're saying is, I'm not going to be a quitter. I will be an overcomer. And if trials come, I will overcome those trials. I won't run here, there, and everywhere. So take a look at your life. Are you committed to a local church? Or are you a little honeybee? Flying around every Sunday, pollinating this church and that church, and seeing what you can get. I'll tell you what. You'll never fill your soul that way. You're just pampering yourself. Find a place that God can call you to, where he can use you with your talents and your spiritual gifts and in your purpose. And I'll tell you what, your soul will prosper and your soul will grow because it's going to live forever. And remember, lastly, what John said. Your spiritual life is connected to your physical life. So he said, I would that you would prosper in your body as you prosper in your soul. Don't neglect either one. They're both important. Take care of your body, nourish it. Take care of your soul, nourish it. They're both important. Why? Because I want you to love God in a balanced way. Love God with all of your soul. And if your soul is healthy, you're going to have a wonderful love toward God. But if it's not healthy, your love toward God is going to be anemic. It might not even be love at all. But if you can do that, if you can nourish your soul, and be balanced, have a balanced relationship with God, you'll have a balanced Christian life. And in that balanced Christian life, the work will be easier and it will be more enjoyable. Right? It'll be easier and more enjoyable. Is it easier to carry one cinder block or two? Two. One in each hand. Why? They balance each other. Just one kind of leaning over. That's why the yoke on the ox puts an equal weight on each side. Makes it easier for the beast of burden. Next time we're together, loving God with all of your mind. Is there a difference between the soul and the mind? I say so. Because Jesus said it. So what's that all about? We'll see that next time. Loving God with all of your mind. Thank you for coming along today. Join the Hope Club. Get a devotion in your email box Monday through Friday. Beautiful little five or six minute devotional. Get you ready for the day. Set some music. You give us $3 a week, we send you a devotional. That's a pretty good deal. Get on board. Help us to pay our radio expenses, podcast expenses, and where we can be here on a regular basis. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.